everybody. Welcome back. You are watching the Food Taku Podcast. My name is Emily. I'm here with my host, Paul. Paul, say hi. Hi, hi. <laughs> and today we're talking about things that you should never do in Japan. And I'm very excited for this topic. As we know, the country has opened back up. Tourists are allowed in. That means you. Please come visit I know. us. I know. Give yes. me a year, unfortunately. Yes. Yes, I want everyone to come. It's been such a long time coming, and um, I'm really, really glad that the country's going to be back open. I think that a lot more stuff will resume, and things have been going on in Japan. I think the funny thing is that a lot of Japanese people didn't realize that the country was closed to tourists, so everyone's so they just kind of they just kind of thought like, oh, the country feels empty for some reason. Yeah, no, I I think. Japanese people have been really enjoying it because mm -hmm. all of all of the touristy stuff that was always kind of like inundated with with foreign tourists uh, has now been empty and clear and everyone can go and enjoy uh, these things in a way that they couldn't before. So mm -hmm. I think I think people have I, I honestly don't think people think about it very much. They're just like, oh, yeah, I can do these things now that I couldn't really do before. And it's nice to see these things and. Yeah, and and we like this, but do you yeah, I don't do you okay? People... So on that same like kind of topic, did you see the news about how like Kyoto is going bankrupt mm. because they have no tourism? Yeah. Like, because most yeah. of their most of their income is coming from tourism. So yeah. when I see stuff like that, I'm like, okay, obviously I loved Kyoto, right? But it did feel very touristy. Like you go there mm. to do certain things, and it's usually yeah. eat, drink, be merry, which a lot of cities have. But I didn't realize tourism for that city was so important. Mm -hmm. So, like, yeah. I, I think I remember listening to – it was either a podcast or something. I think it was uh, Abroad in Japan, Chris Broad. He was talking about how, like, you could go to Kyoto and it was – like, you could actually do stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, uh, like, I, the only time I had visited was 2008. And when I had visited, yes, Kyoto felt very busy, but not – to me, not overwhelmingly busy. You know, mm. even I know people say Tokyo is crazy and stuff like that, but I think mm. maybe because I'm used to big cities, it didn't feel overwhelming. Um, I don't know how like the others. How do the other cities kind of pan out for you? Like you're you're in Tokyo, so yeah. Like... I think well, it's hard to say because I came here in 2019, and mm. six months later, everything yeah, closed shut down. due to COVID. Yeah. So even before. And I've come here as a tourist before I moved here. And I think that when I was coming as a tourist, I was always coming in off season. I always came over summer vacation, which is a, a terrible, terrible time to come to Japan. Um, is it too hot? Yeah. Oh, my God. It's gnarly. It's really nasty. So as long as you're okay with sweating like a monster everywhere you go. Yeah. Just all the time. Um, then, it, <laughs> then it will not be any different. But... Uh, it's just so, so hot. You get heat stroke really easily. I did. Oh, <gasps> no Paul, way. have I ever told you about the time that I fainted on the train? What? Oh, okay. Oh, so this it's hot an, like that. This is an excellent story. This is the first time I ever went to Japan. I went for work. I was uh, doing like, it wasn't an internship. I was, I was coming as like a discussion leader for an empowerment program situation it's complicated. It was just this thing where I was supposed to go and talk to Japanese kids and get them to practice using their English. Okay. And um, we were staying with different host families. I was there for a month. Each week, I went to stay with a different host family, and I moved to a different city to, like, work and run this program with, with like, a new set of kids. So my first week there, I had this amazing experience with this host family. Um, I had a host sister and a host brother. And towards the end of the week, my host brother got sick. And I was like, oh, it's a good thing I'm leaving tomorrow because, you know, I don't want to get sick either. So we left and the next day I went to Tokyo and the day after that started getting really, really sick. Oh, no. And like fever. It was like a flu, and this weird is summer flu So technically on a vacation mode too? Not vacation. I was there for work, but okay, I had for, to- so for work. Yeah, so I had to miss work because mm. I was sick, which is you really don't do that in Japan. That's like super, super. Is that is that kind of taboo? So okay, so things you yeah. shouldn't do in Japan, right? Like I guess so. In this things case, you yeah, things you shouldn't call do in Japan. Sick. Yeah, definitely not. We don't do this. In, I mean, you know, in America, you don't do this either, unless you're like dying or something. In Japan, 
you wear a mask if you're sick, but you keep like if you've got a cold, you just put a mask on and go out and about and do your you do your thing. Right. If right, you're right. really sick, like you know, throwing up or something, yeah. you should stay home, obviously. But for the most part, if you you know you just have like sniffles or whatever, you just throw a mask on and keep going. I was really really sick to the extent that I I couldn't um go to work, mm-hmm. and the days that I did did go to work, I had like a mask on and I was just really really miserable. So I it, this is the whole week that I was in Tokyo and it was my first time ever being in that Tokyo. Sucks. That and so sucks. I was sick the entire time. And on our last day there, my friend in the program was like, I really want to go to Harajuku to shop around. Do you want to come with me? And at this point, I was feeling better. So I was like, yeah, I really want to go because I haven't been able to do or see anything at all. And I want to just like see what it's all about. And so we go out and it's hot. This is in the dead of summer. It is hot 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 humidity is like 90 percent, something atrocious the weather it's only like 95 degrees or 90 degrees or something like that yeah but, but because the of the humidity it's just oof, it's so bad so we do a whole day shopping in harajuku and i uh we get back on the train to go we were staying ironically we were staying in akihabara and so <laughs> we get on the train and they're like very opposite from each other on the train line it's like a 30 minute like trip yeah. so we're sitting in the train car and i and we're sitting and we're not even standing and we are two stops away from akihabara and i started to feel like i was going to faint oh, and no. um and something you should never do on a train in japan another thing you shouldn't do in japan is like cause a nuisance don't be a problem on the train in just japan. like pass out casually like is that how you how it should you be? Like, I would say if you're on a train, so setting aside my story just for a second, if you're on a train, you sit down, you keep your legs in front of you, you don't cross them, you don't extend them, you don't put them where people would trip or fall over them, right? Um, If you're standing, you kind of, like, get yourself into a corner, you try to, like, shuffle out of the way, you, you leave space for people to move around you, you try to be as sort of, like, orderly and polite as possible so that other people can continue going about their day and you're not you know causing them a problem or anything like that it seems dramatic but it's just like common common manners common sense so yeah. i'm on this train and we are sitting down which is unusual because it's the yamanote line which is like the really popular jr line and um i've got people standing in front of me like the seats kind of go along down the sides of the train and then when people need to stand they just stand right in front of you so your knees are like right up against their knees kind of Mm -hmm. and me and my friend are sitting there and I look at her and I'm like I think I'm gonna faint I don't feel good and she starts to panic like which is fair because you're in a foreign country and like this girl that I've only known her for a week she's she's like I don't know what to do I don't I don't know what's going on so I was like look, don't worry. Um, She's like, should we get off here? And I was like, no, no, no. I really want to get to our train station so that we can get off and I can rest at the train station. And she was like, okay. And the whole thing was really unusual because the train cars are air conditioned. So there's not a clear reason. Right, because that's what I was going to ask. I'm like, yeah, how, like... Yeah. If conditions are like that, hopefully it would feel better, but it was probably just from being out and about the entire day. Yeah, which is... It convinces me that it is more to do with my health than anything, honestly, but I I know that the heat didn't really help. So, we've been on this train for 30 minutes. I was like, I really want to get to Akihabara Station so that I can just walk to my uh, hotel, which was like five minutes away from the station, and lie Mm -hmm. down. Like, that's what I want to do. And she was like, okay. So, we're toughing it out, and I... And sitting on the train, and what you're supposed to do if you are fainting is to put your head between your legs and to take some deep breaths and all that kind of thing. But you can't do that when oh, the train man. car is packed full yeah. of people and you're knee to knee with someone already. So I'm sitting there, like, taking some deep breaths, like, really trying to hold myself together. I go into this deep meditative state where I'm like, okay, Emily, don't embarrass yourself on this train. You need to get off this train. You can sit down on the bench on the platform. We are not doing this right here, right now. I fainted a lot in my life, so I know the feeling of it. And I, I was like determined. I was like, I'm not, I'm not going to be that girl. Not today. Um, so we get to the station and my friend is like, oh my God, we're here. Okay, let's go. So we stand up and we are like shuffling past everyone. By the time I hit the doors of the train, my vision, I've never experienced tunnel vision in my life. Today was the one day I've experienced oh, it. Oh, just My vision in. starts to go blacker on the edges. 
And oh my god. I am just like desperate to get off this train because I don't want to fall on the train. I don't want to faint on the train. I don't want to like, you know, stop the train, cause people problems or anything. So I'm like be- making a beeline and we were right next to the stairs to go up. And I was like, I just want to walk up the stairs. I know that there's a bench at the top and I want to sit down. My vision is just getting narrower and narrower oh, and geez. narrower. And all of a sudden I'm down. I don't remember falling. I don't remember fainting. All I remember is waking up where two Argentinian doctors are holding me, cradling me in their (laughs) arms, fanning me with this fan that they had and asking me questions. Are you okay? What's your name? What's going on? I'm like, like one of them has got my legs elevated because that's what you're supposed to do. Mm -hmm. One of them is like holding me like my head up, like wake up, wake up. They wake, they are like speaking to me and I... I realize I like come out of my fainting moment and I realize that they're speaking to me in Spanish. And so I start responding to them in Spanish because <laughs> at the time I was studying Spanish and I'm like, Hola, como estas? and they're like, basically they're, I'm not going to, my Spanish is so bad, but they're like, are you okay? And I was like, donde esta mi hotel? And they're like, we don't know. We don't know where your hotel is. And like my friend is standing there And she told me later, she was like, I thought I was in some kind of like fever state because you wake up and just start speaking Spanish to these people. And I don't know what's happening or what's going on. Um, And I don't know what you're saying. You just like transcended uh, your own reality. Exactly. And the, the train station master comes over and they call me a taxi, which is great. And we, um, and I go to the hotel or whatever. They wanted to send me to the hospital, <laughs> but mama didn't raise mm. no weak. Bad language, bad oh, language, no. bad language. Okay. I'm from America. I don't go to hospitals. We don't go to the hospitals, hospital. We wait till we're about to Hospitals are be for dead. the rich. Yeah, yeah. Hospitals are for the rich or for the those in danger of imminently dying. Yeah. And I fainted a lot in my life and I knew what this was. I knew what it felt like. And I was, I was really embarrassed. By the way, like things not to do in a train station. Don't sit on the ground. That's a terrible thing. Terrible thing to do. Like when, like literally just sitting on the floor at a train station. On the floor. Yeah, don't do that. Or well, on I mean, the you floor would think of like a train. That's not hygienic anyways. Why, you would what think would, that, what yeah. would compel someone to sit on the floor of a train station? Yeah, I don't just, know. Do, you know? I don't know. Like maybe if you're waiting for a train to come or something like that, especially for longer trains. But don't do it. There's benches. Sit down. Don't get in people's way. Because these train stations are really organized and really efficient. Mm -hmm. And so everyone is like they get off the train and they come and they walk in certain directions. And there's arrows telling you where and how to walk and everything. So I fainted in the most inconvenient place possible, which is directly on the stairs where people are going up to get like out of the station What I remember is waking up and just seeing a sea of people, like a sea of fish, coming up towards me and just parting and going around me. Just like like, completely ignoring you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Totally ignoring me, just going about their day. And then uh, also, but giving me like space, right? Yeah. Just orderly moving around me. It was incredible. And uh, I... I knew I was being a real nuisance to people. I felt really bad about that. But the station master was so nice. And they... Uh, like ordered me up a taxi i refused to go to the hospital because i didn't they had given us like insurance for the trip but i didn't have the paperwork with me at the time and i was afraid and again american and i was like no i don't need to worry about the the fifty thousand dollar bill at the hospital (laughs) yeah exactly so um so that was that they put me in the hotel and um and then i was sick for the whole next week too and it was it was not fun that sounds but, like a, a horrible trip, yeah. not going to lie. That just sounds like not a good time. It it was really... Oh, my grandpa also died while I was on that trip. Oh, jeez. Now like, that I'm... <laughs> just like one thing after the other. What is this trip? And this was when? 2019? Um, no, this was, this was earlier. 2016. 2016? No, no, no. When did I graduate? It must have been in 2014, actually. 2014? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was my God, first so, time ever in Japan. Was that eight years ago? Yeah, that, yeah that's yeah. so crazy to say eight years ago yeah like, yeah yeah my my trip was 2008 so that was 12 12 years ago what are you is that is that what that is oh my mm. god i can't math but it's a long it feels like a forever ago yeah yeah, you yeah. Know? i'm curious as to how things have changed since i visited but i also I don't have lot. lots of like points of reference if that makes sense mm. because i only did mm. that one trip and the pictures that i have are with like my little canon 
you know, little point and shoot camera that barely took video uh, because at the time smartphones were just becoming a thing. Mm, so like yeah, there yeah. weren't a lot of ways of creating memories other than photos, which are still great, yeah. you know, but it's not to me, it's not the same as video in a lot of ways. But like, well, yeah, it, if so, if if you're if you're in in this situation, right. And like you don't want to go to the hospital or whatever it is and you're sick for the next week. Like mm. what's the what's the etiquette? Like if you if that happened now with mm-hmm. work, would you still be expected to like come into work? Uh, well, it's different now with COVID. Okay, so True. another another thing not to do in Japan, especially right now, especially 2022, I would guess for 2023. Uh, and this applies for everyone, whether you're sick or not. Do not leave your mask at home. You should have a mask on. Okay, and even if I you're know, just traveling and... Yep. Okay. I know, I know that this is controversial, and I know that, uh, like, I know in America no one wears a mask anymore. Um, but in Japan, everyone wears a mask all the time. So the there is no law in Japan. There's no mandatory people have to wear a mask. Mm. In fact, the government has said if you're outside and you're apart from people, you can take your mask off. You don't need to. But people wear it anyway. People have just just do that. Mm-hmm. And I think I actually think tourists coming into Japan is going to help people to sway their opinion about that a little bit and make people relax a little bit more because i know that there's going to be tourists who refuse to put masks on i've seen them um just walking around shibuya like not wanting to or or inside stores or whatever um but i will tell you that most people look at that and are really like embarrassed for you they're like oh my god this person didn't get the memo um like this person doesn't know what they're doing or like, Oh, how embarrassing. They're not like paying attention to the social cues happening around them. So it's, it's a double-edged sword. And I, I think it's up to you kind of in like what you want to do. I would really recommend for people to like, look around. If people around you are wearing a mask, you should probably be wearing a mask inside, especially like, I think it's, it's a little bit more up in the air. If you're outside walking right. around, like, cause like cause I walk around my neighborhood like... Yeah, if you're out at a park or something like that. Yeah, yeah. Like, I walk around my neighborhood and I notice uh, people aren't wearing masks, you know, on the way to the station. They just don't have a mask on. Mm-hmm. Uh, but especially when you get into more crowded places, you I notice, like, more people with masks on. And then inside, everyone always still wears a mask. So right, right, right. I would, if you're going to come here, I would just have one with you and be prepared to put it on and... Um, and, or like if you don't want to that's fine just know that everyone is silently judging you and like silently judging you. you right right oh right. yeah 100 like, i i i'm curious as to so because because there's going to be so many new rules for everywhere that you visit so like in japan's case for me i think a big reason why i i pushed off my trip because i was supposed to come out in march um but i also plan on coming out during golden week or part of it which mm-hmm. i hear is a terrible idea Ooh, so terrible I just, idea yeah yeah i just like no that. we're not going to do that we're going to try to come out um in the fall of next year mm-hmm. so what that also does is that gives a year of like tourism happening by then so a lot of the kinks end up getting worked out yeah. and it might feel a bit more normal to have tourists come through because as yeah. soon as the news broke you just see it all over social media of like oh bought my tickets to Tokyo oh going to Japan next month or yeah. whatever it is and i'm like it's got to be so different now the just yeah. rules of getting on a train going to a pub whatever it is yeah i would say i think that's another big don't like don't if you've been here before don't expect it to be the same that it has been before things have definitely changed a lot of stuff is still the same a lot of stuff Mm -hmm. is still the same but even in terms of i was reading this article you know um because the tourism industry died out everyone left those jobs so like they have hotels here but not enough people to staff them because the hospitality industry doesn't pay very well so if you're you know japan is all about excellent service and providing tourists with like a wonderful experience but it's going to be like europe was this past summer just way too full of people who are traveling and not enough people to work like physically not enough people to work and so i think japan is going to undergo a little bit of that over the next six months for Mm -hmm. sure for sure and you Um, can see that in some of the smaller cities out here i mean in in the portland area it's not it's not a, a very small city but like so many people left hospitality work and then during the summer everyone is out and about everyone is doing stuff because it's gorgeous outside and it's like it's the northwest in the summertime no one was staffed enough to yeah. to like account for how busy it was going to be because everybody was let go you know yeah. or those restaurants closed or whatever it was 
And it's like, how do you recoup from that? Because I, I came from the restaurant industry and I came from the hospitality business. It's like seeing an influx of people when you're understaffed is so hard to deal with. So incredibly hard to deal with. So I can only imagine for maybe like a city like Kyoto where mm. it thrives on tourism, like how how drastically all of that changed now, you mm -hmm. know, versus like maybe Tokyo survived a little bit better, you know, because maybe other people are traveling in from other cities of Japan to like come to mm. Tokyo. But I, I don't know. How, how, how do you how have you seen it so far? Mm, I think what is interesting is yeah it's actually been really depressing if i'm being oh, honest no. yeah. to just watch watch businesses close and mm -hmm. just disappear and yeah i haven't noticed it so much in tokyo tokyo has kind of remained vibrant more or less but um you kind of see it in shibuya a little bit there's just like at night you're used to having a lot like a lot of tourists around bopping around if you go at night in shibuya like a month ago or two months ago it's just a bunch of like 20 something year olds plastered just and it's kind of depressing to look at actually it's like kids with nowhere to go and nothing to oh, do and okay. they just get really drunk on the streets of shibuya and just like sit there because everything has closed really early like that's kind of what we experience here everything closed early for a yep. long time restaurants it's closing at like alcohol. 7 p.m or something like that yeah 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 and so but but Japan is not a city where you stay home, you know, like Tokyo. I'm not saying sorry. Japan is a country, not a city. Yeah. Um, Tokyo is not really a city where you stay home. Like if you live in Shibuya or Shinjuku or something, you are relying on like the city atmosphere of, mm -hmm. of the, the restaurants being open and the bars being open and stuff, because uh, like a lot of people's apartments are so small that that's, you know, they go out a lot. And since all of that closed during the pandemic, it it just kind of became kind of sad to see people have nowhere just to go nowhere and nothing to, go. to do. Yeah. Yeah. And um and in terms of tourism, Japanese tourism like in Japan, Japanese people love to visit places in Japan. So like okay. I, more I would say like more so than even America, like Mm -hmm. Like, I don't think Americans love to visit other states as much as Japanese people love to visit other prefectures. And, like, there and, are and certain... I think that's, that's pretty true. That's yeah, pretty and I, true. Yeah, and I feel like there's certain, like, vacation spots in Japan that everyone knows about and really wants to go to. So there are some areas that have really thrived and, like, well, they've done okay. Like, they've hung on. Uh, like, for example, if you go to Niseko up in Hokkaido, which is, like, a very big skiing area that's, like, mm -hmm. where you get the best snow in Japan... That area has managed to do okay, but even still, they are struggling to keep staff on and keep people employed um, because there's just such a less number of people that are going. But smaller places even that are like kind of podunk out of the way places in Japan have really, really suffered. And yeah. like early on in the pandemic, when the, the government was really trying to get people to go out and sightsee and stuff... Uh, me and my friends took advantage of that because they were offering insane deals, like 50% off of your entire trip if you go to That's crazy. X, Y, and Z place. Mm -hmm. So we were taking advantage, and we were literally, the, at, in some cases, like the only people staying in the hotel. Um, That's wild. And it's just kind of depressing. You kind of don't realize how fun it is to be around other people until there are no other people there. And then you're yeah. like, ah, oh, this yeah. is what a zombie wasteland feels like. <laughs> no, it's totally kind of like... Even out here, but there was a lot of, you know, in the States, there's a lot of backlash around those rules of mm. whether or not, like, we, we would visit friends in certain states, like, not going to name any, but, like, you'd go out, and if this is middle of maybe, like, three or four months after the pandemic stuff and closures, then no one cares about mask rules. Because, like, nope, yeah. you know, we'll just deal yeah. with it. And it is a very, it's obviously two completely different uh, cultures. So, the way I see it, though, it's like, the how do you how do you recover from that right like closing so like livelihoods gone basically yeah. Yeah. and and it and it's kind of sad for me to think about because like coming from that industry it's so hard to thrive anyways yeah. and then something like that happens and you're like what do you even do the only thing is is like if you survived all of that then you come out the other end way better because now you have mm -hmm. a huge customer base because you were open for people potentially. Yeah. Like yeah. out here, the places that really thrived were like the food truck scene because mm. they were smaller, like mom and pop shops. They could do a lot of yeah. uh, to-go food. Um, people would pop in, order small things, and then they built this customer base up and now they're like growing. 
right mm, mm-hmm. but you you are right though like out here no one wears masks anymore whether or not it's indoors or outdoors um for for better or worse but it's still the what i've seen is that the restaurant and the hotel industries have bounced back very quickly mm. where you have restaurants now paying people very well to be there you know mm-hmm. i one of my really good friends she's making almost six figures a year as a server at a nice wow. restaurant like wow it's wild right because people wow. are going yeah, out and they want to spend money it is a nice yeah. restaurant you know the average check is like 150 bucks for two people right right and they're very busy all the time so but you're talking about you're a server and you're making like engineer money yeah right? yeah yeah it's it's really cool to see that bounce back but on the other end it's really sad to hear how like some places haven't been able to kind of like push back and, and like yeah. win that right I th- that yeah, sounds yeah. kind of where like it's at right now for you guys yeah it is a little bit but i think the good news is people are coming back and I think that a lot of business here are really, really excited about that. I'm really excited about that. As I'm much really as excited really... about that. Yeah. Yeah. As much as I've loved kind of being here and living here with no tourists for the past two and a half years, that's been really like, I'm never going to have that opportunity again. Um, and I'm going to miss it, but mm-hmm. it's going to be great just to have things happening again and opening up again. And, and that brings me to like another don't in Japan. I think that when people come here, don't sleep on having portable Wi-Fi or something like that. Oh, I remember you telling me about that. Yeah. Yeah. There's so much to do and to see here. And, uh, it's very, I, I don't, I personally don't think it's easy to get lost, but if you've never been outside of America before or whatever, I guess it could be a little bit Mm -hmm. challenging for some people. Um, uh, if you have internet with you, it makes all the difference. And these days, there's stuff like eSIMs that you can get, like eSIM yep. cards, uh, where you don't even need to go anywhere or carry a device with you anywhere. You can just pay online and download an eSIM and have access to Wi-Fi. And that's so helpful for like Google Maps. It's really helpful for Google Translate. Um, yep. And I think with those two apps, you will you will Such get a game around. changer because yeah. when I visited. Like, this is going to date me, right? But, like, I had a paper map, right, mm. that I took Dang. everywhere. It was in my back pocket. Yeah. had a paper map. And uh, I remember researching the places I wanted to go to in each city. Yeah. So I would have, like, the paper map, and I would circle just about where, like, the restaurant I wanted to go to was or <laughs> the, the record wow. store. Or, like, yeah. and then if I couldn't figure it out, I would, like, because obviously all the computers in, like, the capsule hotels were all in Japanese. So I didn't know how to use them so i was using like a playstation portable to search for stuff right because yeah, yeah. you could hook up to the wi-fi somehow Dang, and like that's creative man that's like what you had to do right like i i remember okay so I, this is like tangent city right but like when i was traveling out there records and cds were still very very big right mm-hmm. and i remember getting really into like electronic dance music at the time and there was a, a tower records i think it was in Rapungi, maybe? Yeah, yeah. I, yeah. I, I, I don't remember. I think it was Rapungi. Go up there, I buy a couple of CDs, and I remember going back to my capsule hotel. I was able to use the public computer, and I popped the CD into the computer, navigated my way around Japanese windows, and was able to download all of the music from the CD to my PlayStation Portable, Dang. and then walk around listening to music. I was like, damn. Dude. I felt so good. <laughs> yeah, like that's like accom- infinity brain. It was, yeah, it was like such an accomplishment. And uh, <laughs> But now when I think about it, I'm like, oh my god, like imagine like when Rachel and I we were in Scotland uh, in 2019 and, mm. I'm sorry, 2020, right before everything closed. And every everyone spoke English, like the Queen's English, right? Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. it was easy to, to, to communicate, but the game changer, honestly, was like a SIM card. We just, mm. they didn't, we didn't have eSIM, so you just bought a SIM card with data. Yeah. And we used it for maps or to mm. like look up restaurants or whatever because sometimes you didn't have Wi-Fi access. Yeah. And yeah. now thinking about it, you're right. Like, don't sleep on like portable Wi-Fi. Yeah. Right. Don't it's sleep on so SIM important. cards. It's so important. It'll really help you out. It's not very expensive, and it will just let you get the full experience that you want. You know, there's nothing like I'm. I there are some people who when they travel they like to plan out their day 100. Mm-hmm. percent And I used to be like that. Oh, I'm not I, anymore. Yeah, I don't do that anymore. Yeah. I'm in, in the moment. I'm like it. I'm in Akihabara right now and I just checked out this thing and I really want somewhere good and I want to mm-hmm. be able to pull out my phone and just Google like best restaurants near me and then yeah. like 
go, go. to the one that looks like it's got Hell the highest yeah. rating. That's a, and, that's the best yeah. way to travel. The Google review game here is insane. So like like um Malin uh from Geeks Plus Trash Taste, you know, you know Malin. Yeah, the, the she, boss. She um the boss. The boss lady. She uh she's like a professional Google reviewer. I, I feel like her. I heard that. Yeah. Yeah, I love her. I could have worshiped at her feet. I think she's so amazing. She just goes around to restaurants trying them and leaving reviews and she's in like the top 10 or 5% of people in Japan leaving reviews at restaurants or something. So, That's so you never crazy. know. You could run a across one of her one of her reviews if you if you go out and look for restaurants in japan i love um, that Th- yeah that's that's one thing i would love to do out there is just like restaurant hop right Dude, so not bar yeah. hop i would restaurant hop and just love to like do reviews but because i love doing it on video those that's another thing so okay so is this something you don't do in japan you don't film without permission right mm. is that a rule or can you kind of like, okay, so I've heard things from people about like, if you have your cell phone and yeah. you're just kind of like, oh, you know, you're doing a thing and nobody cares. Yeah. But if you bust out like a DSLR, hmm. they're like, what are you doing? Why are you filming stuff? Yeah, I think there's a level of covertness in Japan that you should employ. Mm-hmm. I think it's kind of... um kind of depends on what you're doing if you're out there with a dslr and it's very clear that you're getting footage i think when people see such a big camera they are kind of thinking to themselves like professional like this is someone who's doing a professional thing right Mm -hmm. because it has that that feeling with it of Mm -hmm. like you know oh my god they've just brought like a camera bag filled with equipment like what are they doing what are they trying to record exactly you know right um and in that case it probably I would either like put myself in a corner where like no one is doing anything totally. or looking at me or I would just explain to them like I'm you know recording for this or for that or whatever. I am YouTuber. <laughs> yeah. If you if you're recording someone's face, that's a right. no. Don't do yeah. that. Don't do that. You should ask for people's permission if you want to record their face or if you want to record someone doing something like you're in a restaurant and, and the server's bringing you your food, like you should ask if that's okay. Mm-hmm. You should not just pick up a camera and record people. I and I'm a, I think that's true of any any place you go totally. whether it's in your country or in a different country, like you don't have the rights to film someone else doing something. You know, if you if you happen to catch people on the street, like, walking around you, that's one thing. But yep. if you're purposefully recording someone performing an action that you're going to be, like, showcasing, you so need to So I'm, I'm going to ask a selfish question, because, yeah. but I also think anybody visiting might garner uh, some knowledge from this, is that would you recommend even bringing, like, a professional-level camera, maybe for photos or something, but... Yeah. D- like... Is it just better to bring the latest iPhone or it, Samsung it, or whatever? It depends what you. I think it depends what you want and what you're going for. But mm. personally, if you're just going, if I mean, I wouldn't. If I'm being yeah. honest with you, I've done I've done the DSLR thing in Japan. I've schlepped cameras and stuff around. There's I I just want everyone to remember there's no space in Japan. Right. Like don't. This is a don't. Don't assume that there's going to be a space for you to put all of your things and that in like a restaurant, you know, like obviously a restaurant can accommodate your purse and your coat and, you know, whatever. But if you're hauling around a bunch of stuff with you, there's just not space to set that up usually. Mm -hmm. Like there's no room for a tripod and there's no room for um you to be moving around and getting in other customers way and people will not like it if you are inconveniencing other people no that makes sense it's just being like a a decent human being at that point yeah and you're not the center of the universe kind of thing exactly because i when i go out there i definitely want to do food reviews so Mm -hmm. we were trying to figure out the logistics of like okay do we just buy the latest smartphone spend the money which are usually the same price as like a freaking dslr these days yeah right but then it's a great phone. It's a great camera. You can just use like a dongle for audio mm-hmm, and then mm-hmm. you're set. And it's almost yeah. professional grade. And, and then I would we would have just the camera for, yeah, yeah. like just yeah. on the side. I would almost recommend that. It's just easy. It's more transportable and it's more covert. People don't look at that and think like, oh, they're recording something for a TV show. They're just like, right. oh, this is a tourist doing their tourist thing, recording right. whatever. Or <laughs> YouTuber, like YouTuber. You're, you're like okay. an online social media person. Have you seen, speaking of using like photography equipment, like in, in a different country, in Japan in this case, have you ever seen Best Ever Food Review Show? Mm, have you ever seen that YouTube I've... channel? I've heard about it. It's so, so familiar to me. You should binge it. It's fantastic, yeah. right? 
Yeah. But they did an entire series in Egypt Mm. where all of their gear was commandeered. They landed in Egypt. They had a fixer. So they had someone helping them and Mm. it just, everything fell through. They Mm. had like 60 grand worth of equipment just commandeered and they had paid apparently about a hundred thousand dollars to get their team there to like to do a wow. two-week thing in egypt wow. yeah they did the entire series on iphones and it was beautifully Great. done yeah so i'm yeah. like all it takes is a little bit of creativity yep and yep. some covertness not to say that you're trying to do anything shady but like if i want to do a review of some sushi i yeah. don't really want to bust out the like giant camera with like yeah. the wide lens or something it's going to look pretty yeah but is that you know, is that necessary? Usually, I think usually not. And if you're going to, I would ask them and, and let them know why you're there. And like, hey, I'm recording for this purpose. Mm-hmm. Um, best of a free to review show. Okay, wait. I've been to Egypt and I was not impressed by the food at all. So I'm gonna oh, have see, to check he, that out. He said, he said he did really like the food, oh. um, but yeah, there were there were words said about the f- like how they were treated. Even yeah, after like yeah. having permission to film and stuff mm-hmm. like that, because every country is different. If yeah. you come into, you know, a, a place out here and you bust out a DSLR anyways, like into a restaurant, they're also going to mm-hmm. be like, hey, you know, can you not record in here without yeah, permission? Yeah, yeah. It's the same. It's the same rules for the most part. But then as a maybe a tourist or in my case, like as a creator, I have to consider, hey, maybe I should get the table in the corner where I'm filming and, like, it's just the wall behind me. Yeah. You know, like, have a little bit of, like, common sense in that regard yeah. where you're not trying to stuff a camera in anybody's face. And that's because yeah. I hear that's a big no-no because privacy is a big deal in Japan. It is a big deal. And and it's just rude, you know. Mm-hmm. I think that sometimes – I don't know if we want to get into, like, the politics of this. But I think sometimes oh, Americans particularly, when they leave the country, they just think that everyone is, like, a prop in their life. Right and like oh my god look at this person like look at this like old man he looks so authentically old in japan i'm gonna take a picture of him or whatever and it's like okay like Mm -hmm. that's not because well i think it's because public laws out like if you're in public Mm -hmm. then you can take photos or whatever and you're like you're what is it like rules of privacy change or something like Mm -hmm. that i i don't know but like you can assume that people are filming or taking photos or whatever because you're in a public space Mm -hmm. but other countries might not have those rules or social norms Mm -hmm. so Mm -hmm. it if you're like in okay perfect example if you go to a convention in japan right Mm. an anime convention if you want a picture with a cosplayer you line up Mm -hmm. individually and then you go you take your photo Mm -hmm. and the next person in line whereas in the u.s it feels like everybody just swarms and does like this half moon thing Mm -hmm. around them and then takes Mm -hmm. photos completely different social cues and norms yeah and i think um i think like tying into that another don't of when you come to japan is like don't assume that there's no like set way to do something or Mm. to experience something japan is an extremely organized and orderly country and everyone operates around this understanding that there have been rules put in place not only to ensure everyone's safety but to ensure that people can get the best experience that they want so if you're at an event like like a cosplay event or something like that um i think sometimes especially like yeah especially like me an american is always looking for a way to be like oh okay like how do i get what i want how do i go where i want to go where Japan has already put rules and like a, a path in place. Like there's arrows mm. on the ground pointing you in a direction. There's a certain order of operations in which you should complete something. Uh, there's a certain like s- series of steps you need to take before you can arrive at this point. And you'll notice this. The more you spend time you spend in Japan, the more you'll notice this. Like if you go into museums, there is like a route that they always mm-hmm. mark out. Which in American I did notice, museums, yeah. yeah, American mu- museums, you just go and you like walk around and see what you want to see. In Japan museums, you go on a set route like an order that they have for you to experience everything in and to go out of that order is a little bit weird even in my grocery store there's no like arrows on the ground but there's a really clear path that they want you to move that in. people and if you, like will actually yeah, take yeah and if you just stay still for a minute and watch people go you'll see everyone sort of taking it Interesting. And, kind of going around. and the minute you go against it 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 starts to like become a problem for people it's like a hassle for people because you're going against it and there's not enough room it's always like there's just not enough room to like maneuver around people all the time so so 
and and I, I say this too, I remember telling my dad this, like when you're in Japan, if you think you're lost in a train station, you're not lost. Just stop and look around. There will always be a sign telling you which direction you need to go. No, always. totally. And I experienced that in Shinjuku station, I believe it mm. was, because it's just yeah. such a massive, crazy station mm-hmm. that at what, like I was just, it was my first like night or two there and I'm like walking around. I was like, wow, what is all these things? And then I realized I had no idea where I was walking mm-hmm. and I just kind of stopped and I looked around. I was like, Oh, exit sign. And just <laughs> followed the exit signs until it spat me out onto a street, which is not the street I needed to be on, but at least I was out of the station, yeah, which yeah. is what I wanted to accomplish because I was just meandering anyways. Yeah. But like, you're, you're absolutely right. There is, it never felt like I got lost mm-hmm. even in a big city like Tokyo. Mm-hmm, right. Mm-hmm. But I also felt like, traveling out there there are a lot of landmarks whether or not it's a building or a park or a shrine or anything and the way i was traveling out there is kind of like how you know you probably travel where you don't have anywhere you need to be at any certain time but like there are things you want to see so however they happen they happen but i just remember um it was uh harajuku that has the big shopping alley Mm -hmm. right yeah, so yeah, yeah, yeah. W- what I would do is, okay, go down the shopping alley and I'm like, okay, I would walk down it and I was like, okay, the alley's behind me. So I'm going to go right. And all I would do is in the back of my mind, like, okay, the alley is this way. So the train station is also this way and then continue walking. And then it's easy to find that alley again because it's so congested that, yeah. okay, found my way back and then head back to the train station. Right. Yeah. That's yeah. how I traveled out there. So you're right. It's very hard to get like straight up lost in a lot of mm-hmm. those cities, even as, as big as they are. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that kind of brings me or reminds me of like another maybe like don't thing to do in especially in Tokyo, Tokyo and Kyoto and Osaka, I think are cities for this. Um, when you're planning what to do each day, don't think that you can get across the city uh, very easily or, or in mm. a timely manner. So like don't plan to do a morning activity in like Harajuku, for example, and then an afternoon activity in Akihabara. You can do those things, but you'll spend a lot of time on the train. And often I think it's it's more it makes more sense in Tokyo to pick two areas of town that are adjacent to each other mm-hmm. and spend the day like in start in one and then walk over to the next one and explore. Uh trains are really fun to take in Japan, but I also think that the experience of walking through Tokyo it's so is much better. really fun. It's so yeah. much better. Yeah, you get you just get a really cool sense of like how people sort of live and and you get to see how like the the houses kind of mix and mingle with the city stuff and uh you get to walk through some really beautiful quiet neighborhoods kind of depending on where you are. Mm-hmm. And uh so I think that a lot of people are like, oh, yeah, trains, they're everywhere, and we can just hop on one and go over and need to go. And that's true. If you if you really have things you want to do across town, you can do that. Um, but, like, don't don't sleep on the just taking time to, like, be in a place and explore and really try to uh, see what's going on in a particular area. Try the top-rated restaurant in the area or, you know, some like a cafe that you stumble upon or something like that. I think that that is a really fun way to experience Tokyo that, I think because when a lot of people come here, they're trying to hit off all of these like things to do. Right. And right. I think that exploring specific neighborhoods is just a really, you a really lose, cool I way feel, to spend I, your time. I feel you're like 100% correct on that because like I feel like you lose a lot when you just go boom, 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 take the train and just you're done. Yeah. Right. I, I kind of saw that the first night I was there, I walked a bunch and then I bought the skateboard and like I started skating around, which is probably against all of the rules. Um, <laughs> but I did it anyways because I just didn't know. Yeah. And being on something with wheels, whether or not mm. it's maybe you rent a bicycle, mm-hmm. uh, potentially a skateboard. I've actually been looking into like electric skateboards mm, and I don't yeah. think they're legal out there. I have to do more digging. But like being able to just hop off whatever you're on or whether or not you're on foot, you'll discover so much more. Mm. Like you, you will find the little coffee shop that probably serves like the best coffee you've ever had in your life. But it's yeah. not near a train station. You got to go yeah. find it. You know, like the the major places are going to be closer to stations. But yes. And that reminds me this ice like two weekends ago, three weekends ago, I went to meet, meet a friend in Sanganjaya, which is an amazing, amazing neighborhood to explore. Um, It's where Persona 5 takes place. So if nice. you guys are honestly, if you're looking for an off the beaten track um, place with some really cool kind of like old school Japan vibes. Uh, Sanganjaya is an awesome neighborhood for that and it's not very touristy I, I don't think 
uh, in the same way that like Shibuya is, and it's just mm-hmm. down the just like it's like literally one express stop away from Shibuya. Anyway, put that aside. I went to meet my friend there for lunch one day, and we ended up spending like the afternoon together. And we just started at a little cafe, walked down the street a little ways, found a place to eat for lunch, it. had a little bit of lunch. Kept walking down the street, found a dessert shop, stopped for a slice of cake. And along the way, we just passed through like two really big neighborhoods. Sanginjai is right next to the big thrifting district. And I always forget what it's called. Oh, that um, sounds like fun. You but it's where you go for like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's where you go for like major thrift, thrift store. And it's like, oh, is it Shimokubo? I don't know. I don't know. I forget. But they're right next to each other and just walking through. It was so fun to see all the little shops and stuff. But then you also get like you get into these really popular places and and you kind of have a purpose. Like we were looking specifically for like mm-hmm. cake or coffee or whatever. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. And it was really fun. I, I love that because like when we were in Scotland, we did just that where mm. we knew we wanted to go to a few spots, but then anything in between was up for game. So yeah. we would just... There was this one where we were on uh, Queen's Mile. And Queen's Mile is very busy, right? It's in Edinburgh. It's very touristy. But we wanted to go explore it. So we just walked down Queen's Mile. We popped into a whiskey shop or a a scotch, I should say, shop. And we were there for like an hour talking to to the owners there about all the different scotches and stuff like that. And he started talking to us about like the... What is it? What They're kind of speakeasies, I guess, in a way, but like things only locals know. Mm-hmm. And he's like, hey, I like you guys. Like, I want to let you know that this bar literally whatever two blocks from here, three blocks from here is doing a uh, what, what's it called per per pour. So like they crack open like a three hundred dollar oh, bottle of scotch yeah. and they sell per ounce. So like oh. if it's if it's a hundred ounces and it's three hundred bucks, it's you know, three dollars an ounce yeah. or something. Yeah. They don't they don't upcharge anything. Mm. And like you don't just you don't know that. Yeah. Right? He's like, they're about to open the bottle. I literally just heard. And so you just and it's funny too because as we heard, we started walking. He's like, go, go, go grab a, a chocolate brownie from next door and then walk to this because you like eat the brownie yeah. and drink whiskey, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And as soon as we started going we, I don't, it, at first I was like, they're walking really fast in the direction we're rocking really fast, right? Like there's this different <laughs> yeah. group of people. Like, yeah. oh, it's probably not, it's probably just coincidence. And sure as hell, they opened the door for us to the bar we're all going into to like oh, go get amazing. this scotch. Yeah. And you don't experience that, I think, if you're just kind of on an itinerary. Mm-hmm, right mm-hmm. you don't you don't get those memories of like oh you remember that time we like like home alone ran it to a like a bar to go get like you don't yeah you don't have yeah. that yeah and i i you're totally right and that brings me to i'm just full of so many don'ts things not to do in japan today um but i would say actually surprisingly like don't pick the foods that you want to try i think it's good to have a general list of like uh, i know i want to eat ramen i know i want to have sushi i know i want to do this but when you go into like a ramen shop i would say like don't try to finagle and be like oh i want like i want the naruto or like the ramen that naruto Mm -hmm. had or i'm going to specifically look for that i would pick like the top rated sushi or ramen or whatever in the area and then go in and ask the people what the uh, recommendation is and in japanese it's osusume so like just go in and be like osusume wa nan desu ka like what Mm. is the recommendation and you will have some of the best food of your life if you just follow the recommendation and this is because in japan especially for a lot of smaller like mom and pop shops they have one dish that they are really really good at making they're just amazing at it and that's what everyone comes to eat and they might sell other stuff you might notice other things on the menu that like looks good to you but it'll be that one thing that they recommend that's like the thing that you should be eating so and that's how a lot of shops work and you'll go to like if you want ramen here you not all ramen is the same most ramen shops unless it's a chain have their own special thing that they do so walk in and ask them what that special thing is and then order it and you will have some like really cool experiences and be able to try some new stuff Yep. I, I think I had that exact experience in Kyoto. I was staying at the, the Hyatt that was in Kyoto and behind it, maybe by like a block, right? It was basically behind the hotel. It was a small mom and pop shop with uh, one 
one chef, Masta-san, and then the the mom was serving people. And the first night I went, I ordered yakisoba, and mm-hmm. it was delicious because I like literally pointed to a picture and he made it for me. The next night I went in, I sat with another group of people who were English speaking, and they had gone up to him, and it's like I pro- they probably said that like, uh, what is it? Oh, 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 yes. oh susume. Osusume, right mm-hmm. they're probably just like make whatever he and he made me my first okonomiyaki i'd ever had mm-hmm. and it was like it was just top tier i devoured it over like two different pints of beer yeah and y- you don't I, I it's weird because as as someone who we're foodies like there are only certain things that i'm picky about and mm-hmm. it's usually like textural things that i can't do but like mm-hmm. i'll always try something and mm-hmm. i feel like you lose especially if you're visiting a different country that has very different foods than what we have here in the States a lot of the times. Yeah. Just embrace it. At mm-hmm. least at least for a little bit. Yeah. Right? Like try the thing. Don't say, oh well, I'm gonna go to Japan and I'm only gonna eat chicken on a stick. Yeah. Which is delicious, right? But, but maybe yeah. maybe there's you know, so try, much more out there. Yeah. Try, try a burger with some fish on it or something. Yeah, I completely agree. And coming to Japan has made me a more adventurous eater, I will say, because I've never had a meal that misses in Japan. I've I've literally never had a single meal. Let me think about this. <laughs> yeah, I don't think I've ever had a single meal. Oh, oh, okay, I take that back. But okay, well, we'll get to that in a second. Maybe maybe one meal. I've never had a single meal that didn't hit. That that was like everything I've eaten here has been really, really, really good, and stuff that I didn't expect to like. I've ended up really liking. Uh, like when I came here. I, a lot, this is maybe a really common experience for anyone who likes sushi, but maybe like American sushi where like everything inside is cooked and there's no raw fish or anything anywhere. When I came here, the only raw fish that I would really eat was like tuna or salmon. And that was kind of it. And I was just never really tempted by anything else. And coming here and, and trying what other people recommended for me has been such a game changer because now not only do I know tons of different fish but I really like them and like and and eat them in a way that I wouldn't before mm-hmm. and that's been really really fun um so yeah like just come and and try you know most food in Japan here is really inexpensive as well so yep. you're never you're almost never risking a lot by doing something and just know that you can always uh, it is this is kind of like it is rude to like not eat your food. So right. if you order something kind of just sort of depending on where you are, know that you maybe shouldn't not eat it. But, um, but yeah, just, you, you don't, no one's ever going to force you to eat anything. You can try something. If you don't like it, you can leave it. And I will say, don't skip convenience stores because oftentimes, Oh yeah. Convenience stores are tops. Convenience stores are a really good place to kind of try these things. So mm-hmm. like maybe you've never had, I don't know what's like. Let's unique. just say like a steam bun or something. Um, like a yeah, bow. maybe you've never had a steam bun before. You're not really sure. Uh, you can uh, you can buy it. If you don't like it, you can just throw it away in the trash can there. Yeah. You don't have to eat it. Or And it's also inexpensive to try stuff like that. Yes, yes. That's the and big, so, that's the kicker. Yeah, and, and, and that, that's a good place to go to just try stuff that maybe you've never, like maybe you've never had soy milk before and you're curious if you're going to like it. You can get a little box for like a buck at the convenience store and mm-hmm. give it a sip and see what you think and then just toss it if you don't like it there's like no one that there that's like yeah there's no one there that's judging you so just i mean usually <laughs> so, yeah usually so like... usually so, somebody's watching you like they get to finish that <laughs> they're gonna throw it away i yeah. i like that recommendation a lot because it kind of takes away the friction of trying new stuff where yeah. yes it can't like eating out can be expensive even in japan from back when i had visited back in my day but it's like i was probably spending between seven and ten dollars a dish on on yeah. average, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and that's for like a full meal, not mm. just like a snack or something like that. Yeah. Where now it might be a little bit more expensive, but I don't see it being that much more. Mm-hmm. And even then, like if you don't like something, you're spending seven to ten bucks, mm-hmm. you know, and you're on a vacation potentially, so it's not a huge deal. Right. But I did go to a Seven Eleven every day. And I bought a bow bun. I bought a steam bun because so they were like seventy five cents. Yeah, like, how can how, you not? Like, how can you not do this? Like, mm-hmm. instead of getting the really crappy rolled hot dogs on a griddle mm-hmm. in Seven Eleven here, you can go get a steam bun. Like, yeah. this is magical, you know. And I, I literally did it just because of the novelty that I could do it. Yeah, and yeah. And so, yeah. convenience stores don't sleep on those. Yeah. I, I want to ask, what would be 
let's say, because this is hard to think of one, your top two do's before mm. visiting Japan. Because we mm-hmm. talked a lot about don'ts, which did mm-hmm. have some do's in there too. But what would be the things, like the two things you would say you should do while you're there mm-hmm. and before you visit? Um. Okay, 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 okay. Before you visit, I personally think the best way to travel is to... I, I think that it's good to have a little bit of a plan each day, like a general idea of what you want to do. So before you visit, depending on what city you're going to be in, I would pick for each day kind of the area you want to be. I would pick one thing you want to see in that area, one like can't miss thing. And I would pick one food you want to eat that day, like one kind of like food experience you want to have. And then when you get here, I would really recommend like in between doing those two must-do things that day, you spend your time exploring and being spontaneous. And, like, as you're walking down the street and you come across, like, a weird uh, store where everything, like, like a weird, like, photo spot where everything is glued to the ceiling is upside down, like, go in and have fun and, like, have a spontaneous memory there. So that's my best recommendation for travelers, and that applies for, like, any country. So before you go, kind of have that in mind. <clears throat> I would also, before you go... Um, I would have your, uh, I personally like to camp in a city for like a week or something. So I know I'm going to be in Tokyo for five days. I would plan my like day trips out of Tokyo because those you need a little bit more foresight for. You -hmm. can't just be as spontaneous with those. So kind of know what you want to do if you want to do any kind of day trippy thing and know the logistics around that, like the opening hours, when you need to go, because you might need to do that you know, on a specific day as opposed right. to, um, you know, just being able to wander around Harajuku and kind of explore it for the afternoon. To piggyback off of that, yeah. uh, like you said, plan out where you're staying because like a stupid 22-year-old that I was, I made reservations in Tokyo, but not Osaka. So I just oh. went from Tokyo and I was like, I'll just figure it out when I get to Osaka. Oh, yeah. And uh, I that's was a, very that's an old school way of doing it. Yeah. But I was very lucky that yeah. I was able to somehow get a hotel room for one night yeah. in Osaka, but I was there for six. And so I just stayed in a capsule for five days after that. Dang, you know, dude. Same that's capsule. Rough. So, yes, okay, so plan those things I think, out. I will say, too, Japan is a country of reservations. They mm-hmm. like it when you make reservations. They accommodate reservations. So if you are going to be a place that you know needs a reservation, make it before you come. Mm-hmm. Because Or make it like day one when you get here. Because um, stuff fills up really fast a lot of times. And I will... Re- if you're traveling with a big group of people, this is even more important. Like you need to make sure that you kind of have that stuff planned and ready to go. If you want a specific experience. If you're just going to be bebopping around, walking around enjoying you know you know easy like little chain restaurants or convenience stores or just whatever's on the street that's fine but if you want like a specific dining experience you need to make a reservation a hundred percent and uh if you want like a specific activity experience uh that you know requires like a ticket or something make a reservation for that if you can gotcha for sure when you get here um i would say first of all just have fun i think people get really stressed out by traveling if i'm being honest especially if you're trying to like sightsee and stuff Uh, don't take anything too seriously go with the flow every time I've, i've traveled my whole life i've done really strict planning traveling where i plan out every moment of the day i've done no planning at all i've done like a nice in the middle kind of thing the times when you're just there and you're open to having fun and being present with your friends are way more meaningful than when you're trying to like hit everything on your list and stress out because mm-hmm. it always means that you and your friends are just sitting there on your phones trying to like plot your next destination, trying to figure out how to get from A to B. You waste time, people start getting crabby, and no one's having fun. So totally. be open. Japan and especially Tokyo is just such an amazing place to explore. You're never going to go wrong. And if you just want to have fun and make some memories with your friends, just be open to letting stuff go and, and enjoying the moment and kind of being present. I love that. That's a great that's a great thing to end it on. That's a <laughs> yeah. that's a great like just kind of yeah. 
travel advice in general i think yeah, that's perfect because yeah. that's what i'm going to do when i'm out there aside from trying yeah. as many anime cafes and, and made cafes to my detriment uh, yeah yeah and if I you see that. me on the streets say hi come up to yes. me and say hi i would love to chat with you and 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 ask you how you're going and give you a recommendation or something um and just yeah come have fun be friendly be excited and eat it's gonna be everything eat everything yeah. and then tell yeah. us about it because yeah. we want to know there's there are spots that you've never been to there are spots mm-hmm. that I've never been to. So exactly. like, yeah. we could combine all of our forces yeah. of knowledge into like the, you know how they have the Frommer's guide? Yeah. Maybe yeah, we'll yeah. eventually have like a community food taku guide. Dude, uh, that would be right? awesome. That's That'd sick. Be awesome. That's an yeah. idea. I'm yeah. going to put, I'm, that's going to be on my whiteboard soon. Like the yeah, food taku us, travel guide. You know, know, like a community below. built one. That's sick. <laughs> yeah. I love yeah. this. That, that makes me excited. Yeah, let, let us know in the comments below. below if you want something like that because we would love to do that for you guys. That'd be amazing. Yeah. But yeah. Uh, yeah, guys, follow us down below uh, for Patreon, TikTok. If you want to check out our episode zero, it's on Patreon down below. We have mm-hmm. a full playlist of all of our episodes up to this one so far. Mm-hmm. And we uh, we are pretty excited to get to next week. I still yeah. have I have so much to do before I come to Japan next year. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But- you're coming eventually and you yes. guys should be coming eventually too and yes. uh, yeah that's all make sure to follow us and have a great day you guys <laughs> bye guys bye bye